everybody. We're going to dive right into some questions again. We asked on social media and you answered with plenty of options and we decided to narrow it down to two, possibly three. We'll see how long it takes us to get through the first two before we get into the show. The first one is from at Art Dandy on Instagram. Where do y'all stand on horror anthology films? The shows are one thing, but a movie with a frame narrative is another thing altogether. I'm on a kick of watching them lately. The last one I finished was Chillerama on Tubi, a solid B- overall. With the coming out of Closet Werewolf Surf Rock musical as a standout. See, I haven't seen Chillerama yet. That's been on my list for a long time, and I feel like I've really let it down. Um, because I saw the trailer, and I'm like, this looks bonkers. Yes. So I need, I definitely need to circle back. Because I, I ended up, I was going to do like a whole anthology week i was gonna do because i watched body bags mm. uh john carpenter's anthology film and i think i watched vhs one of the vhs movies and i was gonna watch chillerama and then i just didn't um me personally i i i can take or leave anthologies they're kind of subjective to me like there's some what's the one is it dark skies where it's kind of all around like a sleep experiment, um, dark something. Shoot, I'm gonna have to look it up. Uh, it, it's kind of hit or miss, you know. Like sometimes, sometimes you watch an anthology and you think, okay, those were some cool ideas for movies, and it felt like they just didn't know what else to do with them. Like there was no real tie together as to why we're watching them. Like they were trying to figure out a better frame narrative and just didn't. Like, like I really like VHS, but. I, I like the frame narrative more than I like some of the individual films. Like, for whatever reason, the idea of just going to look for, like, a VHS and breaking into that house, like, it works really well for me. Like, it's really simple and creepy and, like, what the hell is this? Um, but I, I can take or leave them. It's really just kind of depends on which one. Not to say I'm not really excited for more VHS movies in the future. <laughs> hey, bloody disgusting. <laughs> How about you two? What do you think? I like them, but I think... Uh... They're interesting in the way that they're measured by either their strongest segment or their weakest. So it's it's like a grab bag. And I think that's why I like them is because you don't know what you're going to get. If you don't like this segment, that's OK. Just wait it out for 15 minutes and you may or may not like the next one. But, you know, it's it's interesting because it's you know, they're meant to be a whole like kind of omnibus type situation. But you judge them per segment that like you were saying vhs for you you like the the wraparound um Mm -hmm. so there's a bunch that i think make the the genre like a worthwhile kind of subgenre of horror like or format i guess is more appropriate creep show obviously tales from the hood trick-or-treat which cleverly has no wraparound i kind of like when Mm. anthologies tweak the the expected wraparound format and play with that um uh, Necronomicon, I adore, and I wish that one would come to Blu-ray or I did. I don't even think it came to DVD, really. Uh, Asylum, if we're going old school, uh, Tales from the Dark Side, the movie. I mean, there's so many really good ones, and a bunch of those that I just listed don't really have a weak link in them, so they're all around solid. So yeah, I mean, I I see what you're saying. I kind of think it's take it case by case but that's the same with any movie you know so i don't know xena what are your thoughts 
Well, I, I agree with you, Megan. Um, it is a thing with anthologies, um, consistency, because sometimes you'll get some really great ones and then other yeah. times, you know, not so much. But I mean, I don't mind. I actually love anthologies. I think that they're fun. You know, yeah. they have something for everybody, I feel. But um, yeah. Tell from the Dark Side, that one's just, you know, the movie is just amazing. Um, and then, of course, Two Evil Eyes is just so much fun. And there's this one segment that still creeps me out. And um, another one of my favorite ones, um, After Midnight from 1990, not the one that came out. I mean, that's not an anthology, but... Benson Moorhead. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a lot of fun. And, yeah, of course, you know, even some, some recent ones, um, like the Mortuary Collection, I thought was a Oh, blast, yeah, so. that one's really good. Right? It's just that's a lot of fun. Even, gross. like, the, the, the wraparound story, you know, kind of, like, holds it together. I, I feel like... Yeah, I feel like there's there's like a key with um, anthologies. If they're able to capture my attention with that wraparound story, I'm willing to accept any story. Fair. And it is kind of interesting, like you brought up Megan saying, like, if you don't like one of the stories, you know, give it 15 minutes. Whereas, you know, with a movie, you if you if you watch a movie and you get a really tough 15 minutes to get through, mm-hmm. you don't necessarily want to watch the rest. Yeah. You know, there's and, an end and, in sight. Exactly, but there can be redemption. Like there can be, I'm sure there's anthologies out there that I'm just not thinking of off the top of my head where there's just a segment I won't watch just because yeah. I don't particularly like it and I just skip it, but I watch the rest of it. And how many times, you know, that that's a lot more rare in movies. I mean, granted, there's, you know, there might be 15 minutes of slog in some movies that you skip through or whatever, depending on the genre. But yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's definitely its own art form. It's like a mixtape. Which, you know, you think about pacing of a regular story, but you have to pay attention to what order you're putting these segments in. Mm-hmm. Not just if it's part sure. of an overarching story, but also, you know, Black Sabbath. You you want the best one. You want to end on a high note. You know, like Trilogy mm-hmm. of Terror, Black Sabbath. Like, you want that best one to be last. And for Black Sabbath, it is, depending on if you get the European cut or the, or the U.S. cut. But... And you know, like Trilogy of Terror, I don't remember the other stories, but I remember the Zodi doll, and that's the one it goes out with. And sometimes, too, it also depends on your mood, because as much as I love Tales from the Hood, mm-hmm. you know, I can't always, nah, you know, I have to be in, start, a, in the right yeah. headspace, headspace, you know, to watch certain ones. You know what I mean? So I think uh, it all understand, depends. Yeah. yeah. That one's like <laughs> heavier, for sure. Yeah. If you want a light one, go with the Monster Club, which is super cute. So good. <laughs> Nice. Thanks for the question art, Dandy. And uh, next one is from Matt underscore HM85 on Instagram. What is something that always scares you without fail? Maybe an idea or image or phobia, maybe a memory. And because I feel like I've talked at length about things in horror that scare me, let's start with Xena. What do you think? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I knew you were going to say me. Um, okay. Well, Zena. This is probably going to sound so basic, um, but you know what? And I, I talked about this before. I don't like spiders. I think that they're gross and I think that they're ugly. So whenever they put them in a movie, <laughs> Poor it's spider. just like I'm always screaming, you know, like, or honestly, it's just like bugs. But there's just something about spiders, you know, that just really gets to me. So how I, did you feel about the movie Slither then? Slither, I thought was fun, you know, but it's still gross. Slugs. Slugs is not spiders. 
Right, but and slugs is worse than spiders. It's not that bad in a way. They're they're kind of cute because you can kind of think that they're dancing with a spider. <laughs> a spider is trying to kill you. You know, they just want to kill you. And yeah, or I, give I went you on a superpowers. <laughs> no, I don't want those powers. Like, it's just <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what it is. And it's crazy too because I think I watched too when I was a kid. Um, the nest. Oh my god! And I think that's that's actually where it started for me. Even That's though like there, there was cockroaches, other, like, yeah, yeah, but, but you know, even those are gross too. Like just so like get ticks. Away. Ticks is clo- pretty close to spiders. Yeah, but they're kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. Are we talking about how serious it is? Because like eight legged freaks. It's more, it's more serious. Like eight legged freaks. I like that movie. I thought it was funny. You know? Okay. Um, but like once like arachnophobia as an example, like that ruined my childhood. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Because I used Ruined to a lot like, of childhoods. Yeah, I used to play under like my grandma's house. You know, I don't know. Okay, it was like a little crawl space. It was fun, Which and is filled um, with spiders. After, yeah, but after watching that movie, just forget it. Like I'm good. So Aww. I mean, that's that's my basic little answer. And I know I could have said like something like really wicked and like sinister, but I'm saying ah, oh, spiders. No, you be genuine. <laughs> genuine answer is good. Thank you, Megan. What about you? I feel like mine is not unexpected either. Uh, I do not like water, like deep sea creatures. Um, so seeds. But you love underwater <laughs> horror. What are you talking about? I know. I'm the opposite of Zeno, where she's like, I'm afraid of this. Get it away. I'm afraid of it. Get it in my eye holes. Um, ah, the eye holes. That's right. Yes. Um, so any scene, and it's not even necessarily strict relegated to aquatic horror but scenes where characters have to wade into murky water waist deep or above Mm. like that automatically makes me tense up Mm. aliens you know when they're wading through that water and you know there's a xenomorph in there somewhere no thank you uh even if it's (laughs) dumb like deep star six is it could be a little schlocky but there's some good moments is not dumb There's some good stuff, but you have to wait a very long time for that good stuff. You have to wait a you have to wait till like the very end of the movie. Yes, it's a really late reveal. It's a really really late reveal to get to the good stuff, and, and otherwise it's a whole lot of melodrama. So mm-hmm. I'm not knocking people who like it because I love the ending. I I love that cover box so much, but yeah, I had to wait sure. a very long time to get to that cover box. But anyways, that's a very long-winded rant. But stuff where people have to go in water and you can't see, nope, no thank you. I don't want to do that in real life. I'll stick to chlorinated swimming pools. Thank you. Hmm. <laughs> John? Oh, I suppose I can talk about mine. <laughs> I mean, I've already talked about it before. Shaky heads can't stand oh, them. Yeah. Hate you, 90s. Why'd you do that to me? Shaky heads. I, I saw Gothica is available on HBO right now. I almost watched it. And then you were Turned like, back no shaky last head. Second. <laughs> no shaky heads. It's just, it's wrong. I don't know what it is. Like I said, it's a formative year thing with Marilyn Manson and Tool or whatever. It just set it in my head. And like, I can handle body horror more than that. Like, with the exception of like The Fly, The Fly is pushing it pretty hard for like my <laughs> reserves of being able to take body horror but i feel like it's push well actually the worst one for me is probably slither i can't i can't watch slither like the impregnated woman it just oh god something about that (laughs) idea of just her gestating all oh nope nope too much um but yeah beyond that like you know it's hit or miss for 
anything like stuff scares me but there's certain things and i said like holes because but that's tryptophobia and that's not my fault that's just my stupid brain um you know just or just little stuff you know like when you're young and like i remember one of the first horror movies i really remember seeing like was nightmare on elm street 3 and like the marionette scene and that Mm -hmm. messed me up for a long time like the veins coming out of his arms like that's really twisted like now it's almost a little bit funnier like the idea of it and everything but when you're like nine years old that's pretty rough yeah yeah <laughs> like, it's gruesome. a tough thing to see but yeah for most but number one on the list is shaky head <laughs> shaky head Heads. spiders and water what a trio there we go oh my and we ran out of time before I answered the question, but who is John? Oh, darn it. Welcome to the Bloody <laughs> Disgusting Podcast, everyone. The podcast where we discuss all the disgusting things we love in the horror world. And to discuss the disgusting, you know her as lead movie critic for Bloody Disgusting, horror movie fanatic and journalist Megan Navarro. Hey, Megan. Hello. And you know her from her YouTube channel and website, Real Queen of Horror, and for her infinite love for the genre, Zena Dixon. Hey, Zena. Hi. And I'm John. And that's where that question comes from, because that's all I do. And then I roll right <laughs> into the next thing. He's Too Peggy. bad you get nothing this week. That's right. I'm Peggy. That's what what else do you need? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, if you're listening to this on a Wednesday when the episode drops, we hope your week's been filled with all the best kinds of horror. If not, we'll do a quick round the table of the movies, books, games, anything else in the horror world that are making the three of us smile right now. Maybe it'll be things that'll make you smile too. So Zeno, what's been filling your heart this week? So I was watching a lot of uh, black and white movies uh, last week. And so I took a break because I felt like I was getting <laughs> dramatic like them. Um, <laughs> It was getting out of control. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> That's why we need a camera in, in Zena's home. We need to know what this means. No. <laughs> she was donning like the feathery robes and getting dramatic. I was getting on the stairway. Like she kept fainting on couches randomly. There might be a spider. <laughs> Got the vapors. The vapors. You know, I, I found myself just giving these long, long speeches. Um, to my husband and I know he he doesn't care so it was just it was ridiculous but okay so uh, I took a break uh, for for two or a couple of movies actually I needed some uh, razzle dazzle so the first movie I watched (laughs) um, uh, The Ugly on DVD from 1997 Um, a female psychologist wants to understand the minds of a confessed serial killer who spent the last five years in a mental hospital because of his state um Whoa. So this is actually the third time I watched this movie. And um, from the start, like to the end of this movie, it does such a great job with staying tense and staying chilling. Um, I feel like it's somewhat similar to Silence of the Lambs because, you know, you do have this psychiatrist and um, she's holding like a series of interviews with this like serial killer named Simon and this like rundown, creepy, insane asylum. And um, Simon, he kind of starts from his childhood and he talks about his killings. He reveals some some of the reasons why he has um, such an, a, a des- design, <laughs> such a desire to kill, like an insane desire. And, you know, as the viewer, you know, we're watching the, the doctor dive in deep and she finds out that it could possibly be connected somehow to something supernatural. And um, I I say kind of, because it's like, I don't want to spoil it for people who may not have seen, who have not seen this movie, but I love the way this movie is able to blend like the flashbacks with the present 
and they do it like in a very unique way it completely draws you in I knew nothing about this movie when I watched it a year ago I never heard of it before um like I don't know what it is about New Zealand but I just always wanted to go there you know so that that was the start of of some some love and just again I love the way it's it's filmed like the um director Scott Reynolds he left like a lot of there's a lot of easter eggs in this movie so each time I watch it I find something new which I think is pretty I love cool. that I love that right it's just it's it's awesome if you're someone who likes like unique brilliant <laughs> type of storytelling I think that you enjoy this one like it is a slasher um kind of you know but it's it's kind of supernatural um but it's it's very dark and it's just like the acting I don't want to give away too much but I just I really enjoyed it it's one of those movies and I'm sure that you guys have this as well that you don't want to watch it too much even though mm. you'll you have like these easter eggs and you want to find out more but based on this movie alone I just want to watch everything that the director put out and I, I need to like get on that you need to do that that's exciting exactly <laughs> and then uh the second one I watched uh old classic one uh the fun house on voodoo from 1981 mm -hmm. um four teenagers visit a local carnival for a night of innocent amusement they soon discover however that there's nothing innocent or amusing there at all so um this has been it's been so long since i watched this movie like years and it is full of just so much suspense like i love suspense filled like horror movies it's always a yes for me and plus the tagline is pretty cool you know pay to get in pray to get out Ooh. you know that's <laughs> that's, that's pretty spicy line. right that's... but no um i feel like it's it's a very memorable movie like i don't hear too many people talking about it i know people know about it but yeah. for some reason i just think you know people kind of not that they forget about it but it just kind of sometimes maybe just get lost in the cracks and I feel like it's kind of similar to Halloween um, in a way where it proves that a slasher, you know, it can be original. It can be sleek. Um, it's not always like gore straight in your face. So, but yeah. And then the fact that it takes place at a carnival and then we see this carnival as like this dark underworld. And then there's like hints of colorful colors and the there's just so design. many like standouts. Yeah. What's the that? production design on this one. I love, yeah. love, love. It's so good. It's it's just amazing. And again, it's been a, a long time since I watched it. So, um, but yeah, what like timing uh, for Toby Hooper's birthday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was trying to plan that out because Toby Hooper, I just love him so much. So may he rest in peace. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, there are so many just standouts, you know, obviously besides from like makeup artists, uh, Rick Baster, Baster, Baster. Rick, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Baker. Who is that? I don't know. No, besides from makeup artist uh, Rick Baker, his memorable creation, um, I really love the score. It's just so dramatic and, and sulky. Um, and then on top of that, Madam Zena, she's just iconic. Um, she's not so just mean. because of her name. <laughs> she's just so raw and rude. I love yes. it. Yes. So. But yeah, but I, what do I really you think about movie. the final girl? Because I feel like that's a big sticking point for a lot of people. And that, you know, you expect the final girl to kind of eventually rise up and get strong and fight back. And mm -hmm. that's not exactly this one, which is a different spin. And yes, she's perceived as weaker, but I also like that she's probably a bit more authentic in her reactions. Yes. 
I actually, I really like her. She just seems like she's real. This is going to sound so messed up because you know how sometimes with some final girls, she just has to be such a princess, such an angel, like smoking. No, you know, no. She was ready to party all night. She was ready to sleep around. No, I'm sorry. I just sound so messed up. No, but you know, she was lying to her parents. She was smoking pot. She was living her best life. Okay. I don't recommend that. If you have a teenager or if you're a teenager, don't do that. But I'm just saying, <laughs> I like seeing that, that she was kind of like against the norm. She and was no, flawed. Like, yeah, she was flawed. And I love the fact that she, honestly, she wasn't perfect. You know, from the start, she's lying to her parents. And this sounds like weird, but it's just kind of like, okay, picture yourself being 17 years old. Um, it does seem a little bit enticing to kind of like spend the night at a carnival if no one's there i mean i probably wouldn't ever do that because my parents they were so strict they're still strict now and i'm a grown woman but (laughs) still you know so it's it's i I don't know i just i kind of always liked her but i kind of preferred her friend more like it kind of hurt me you know that mm, spoiler she didn't make it so but yeah that's uh that's that's what i watched though so yeah megan what about you so I play Final Exam Trivia. If you follow them um, at Final Exam Trivia on Twitter or on Facebook, uh, they used to do it every Friday. Now it's more of a sponsored event. But I played Friday, and then after Friday's game, they announced this week's theme, which is rock and roll horror. And Ooh. so that that's my thing. I love it. And so my instinct was immediately to just start watching all of the stuff that I'm used to, you know, Prince of Darkness with Alice Cooper, Black Roses. But I fought against my instincts and went with two movies I'd never watched before. So I watched Suck. I rented it on Prime. I'm sure it's on other VOD outlets. Uh, It was released in 2009. And it's, it follows a struggling rock band. They're an indie rock band. They're unable to find success until their bassist goes home with a pale-looking fan and comes back a vampire. And then they start getting fans while they're on tour. So it's a really, really fun, super charming vampire horror comedy musical. It's a musical because they are a band. So it's not like they're going to break into song. It's more natural. You know, you see the bands performing. Um, except for the head vampire named Queenie, who is played by the lead singer of a band called Burning Brides. But uh, it stars Malcolm McDowell, who plays Eddie Van Helsing, which is a cute <laughs> riff on Van more Helsing. More. Yeah. Uh, also has Henry Rollins, Iggy Pop, Alice Cooper, Moby, who plays a very hilarious anti-type character. He's a rocker named Beef. Um <laughs> Yeah, it's hilarious. So it's it's really fun. It's uh it's very clever in how they do it because it is an indie movie as well. Um, the the lead star, the front man of this band, is the director slash writer for this movie. It's Canadian, so there's some cute Canadian charm uh, and jokes uh, as they're like crossing the border into the U.S. to start playing gigs in New York. Um, but I really like how innovative it is. It's for the small indie feature, you know, like they're touring, their tour van is an actual hearse. So as they're touring, nice. you get the kind of Indiana Jones map, but it's like blood. And then you see little miniatures of the hearse driving. It's really cute. Um, there's a flashback story involving Eddie Van Helsing. And the way that they do it, because obviously this is 2009, so Malcolm McDowell's older, they use composite footage from a 1973 movie, Oh, Lucky Man. 
and it seamlessly Ooh. blends and it works. So if you're in the mood for really cutesy, charming vampire horror comedy musicals that's done creatively for its indie budget, I liked it a lot. Uh, Henry Rollins never fails to make me laugh when he's in a movie. Um, and then I watched a movie called Vicious Lips, which is on Tubi, and that was released in 1986. Uh, basically, it follows a fledgling rock band, all-girl rock band, that gets the opportunity for a breakthrough gig. They just have to go to a different planet to get there. <laughs> they have a limited time to get there, and stuff goes wrong. You know, they're trying to get to their gigs, and there's monsters and planet crashes and blah, blah, blah. So, uh, I don't love this one as much it, because it does like upfront warning. It has an ending that I absolutely hate a very cliche type of ending that I hate that kind of undermined a lot of it, <laughs> but it's, it's still fun, especially if you want like something background, because it does feel like a, an eighties music video playing out for little under 90 minutes and it's so it's very very 80s very 80s new agey rock music uh all girls they got the wigs there's even a scene where these girls are fighting amongst each other and they're snatching wigs off their heads um <laughs> it's produced by it's an empire pictures production which is charles band before they fell and new new uh full moon pictures kind of rose in its place so um really fun creature effects too by notable makeup effects artists like uh, John Carl Buechler and Greg Canham. So it's interesting. It kind of sags a little bit pacing wise, picks up and then has a crappy ending, but otherwise I like it. It <laughs> <laughs> seems fun though. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's fun. It's not, it's one of those, you can't say it's a great movie, but it's an entertaining one. Okay. Yeah. So that's what I watched. So I, I thought about Xena when I was picking a movie this week, and Me? I started with 1997's Wishmaster. I love that movie. <laughs> I was fully intent on watching all three of my movies this week as Wishmaster movies, and I stopped after the second one. Oh. <laughs> I'm not going to talk about the second one. I'm just going to talk about the first one. So 1997's Wishmaster on Peacock. A demonic djinn attempts to grant the woman who inadvertently summons it three wishes, which allows him to summon his brethren to Earth. You know, it's it's 1997 horror movie that's that that leans very heavily on practical effects, and the CGI that it uses is very very dated, and it has Robert England, and it has um uh uh what's Sam Raimi's brother's name? Um, Ted. Ted. It's got Ted Raimi in it, so you know Kane it's, Hodder oh, in it. wrong with that. Yes. Yeah, Kane Hodder's in it. Reggie Bannister is yeah. in it. Oh, yeah. God, I forgot about all... Yeah. It, you know, it's just a fun movie. Like, it's silly. It's got such, like, a weird level of, like, theatricality goofiness. Like, the gin automatically is a smoker for some reason <laughs> as soon as he comes down. And, like, like the, the, the actual rules of making a wish seem pretty thin like if you just want something that counts or if you would like something that counts somehow um but at the same time it's kind of just a fun movie to watch like in, in its ridiculousness you know like start i mean it starts out 
90 miles an hour with like the that court in like the 1500s just falling apart with some crazy practical effects going on and it ends with a party at the end with some crazy practical effects coming on, like skeletons bursting out of people's skin, stuff like that. And <laughs> Good times. Yeah, it is. If you haven't seen Wishmaster, it definitely, for me, it definitely falls into that realm of like a, a just, just a campy classic. Like it, it just works. It's, it's not gonna, I'm sure it's Rotten Tomatoes score is not high, but you know, eh. don't pay attention to Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> well, I'm very happy that you watched it. And I enjoyed it. Yay. Wishmaster 2 was a little mm. harder. Yeah. <laughs> it's good until like the end. And then it just gets a little bit like, how'd you know that was going to work? <laughs> like that was a weird, how'd you jump to that conclusion? Anyway. Uh, so I decided to mosey on over to uh, HBO in which I saw most of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies are available on HBO right now, except for three. Which is really weird. I have no idea why all of them, almost, I think almost all of them except for three are available. Or Nightmare on Elm Street 3, I mean. So instead I watched 1988's A Nightmare on Elm Street 4. Which I don't think I'd seen the entire thing of before. So oh. I'm glad that I finally sat down and watched it. And I do remember a little bit of Nightmare Fuel from when I was younger. <laughs> from certain scenes that I'll talk to you about in a second. Freddy Krueger returns once again to terrorize the dreams of the remaining dream warriors, as well as those of a young woman who may be able to defeat him for good. I did not remember that there is a Nightmare on Elm Street movie that has something in common with Thanksgiving. That's amazing. In which you brought the bad guy back by a dog peeing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that must have been the most amazing pitch meeting of all time. How are we going to bring Freddy back? I don't know. Dog pee. I mean. I'm sorry. What now? <laughs> like, are we going to discuss how that happens? No. Nope. Dog pee in a dream. All good. Like, yeah. What? It's so bizarre. But this might be one of my favorite Nightmare on Elm Street movies as far as the scares are concerned. Because I love how they play with the dreams themselves. Like, especially, like, uh, towards the end when they're on that constant loop and not realizing it. Because, like, that's, a, that's exactly what would happen in a dream. You wouldn't realize if something was off. And then eventually they have to know. But, like, the, the cockroach scene, the practical mm -hmm. effects in that, I remember that from being younger. And that bothered me a lot. Because it was really good from the elbow breaking to turning into the cockroach. That's, that was just good effects. But, like, the scene where he's eating the pizza... And it's the faces. That made me not eat sausage pizza when I was young. I do remember that. That bothered me. Total aside that has not much to do. I have a horror calendar, like a 2021 horror calendar. So January is Freddy eating the face sausage from the That's pizza. Awesome. Like it's is on it? his claw. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's so gross. Um, I mean, and there's some pretty absurd, pretty just strange parts. Like the bug weapon, like that kind of comes out of left field and then kind of gets used, but not. And then the, the the classic 80s trope of someone has to do karate at some point. But that was such a cool scene. I love Alice All of a sudden she's so, just so much. Been in the nunchucks. Yeah, because yeah, she's no, inheriting I mean, uh, their powers. Yeah, and that's okay, but it was karate. Her brother doing karate in the garage. That's I do all like he it. had I, to I, give I her, okay? <laughs> it is except an awesome sense of style i mean so oh, he, he gave his... her the the style too the 
Karate Kid so, bandana. Yeah. The, yeah, that was, it was his. a little bit of both. Oh. Yeah, but it was. It's. I mean, honestly, Nightmare on Elm Street series aren't my favorite. Oh, like, I love them. Series of movies. You know, I love the first one, um, and I love New Nightmare, which I actually started rewatching again because that's available too. But I just didn't finish it. Um, maybe I'll talk. Maybe I'll take talk about it next week. Maybe I won't get to. We'll find out. Uh, so it it is Nightmare on Elm Street four. I was way more entertained than I thought that I was going to be. I was actually pretty impressed. I liked the way that they they treated the dream aspects and everything like that. And it's actually pretty fun, all I things like considered. It. And it's it's really, I think, the official turning point of Freddy just being silly. Yeah, I think Freddy Mania was literally pin- pinnacle form right there. Yeah, like that was pretty high right there. Especially like the glo- I remember the glove going through the water like it's a shark, like jaws stuff like that. I remember That's around awesome. that time like that got pretty big, so really good. I finally got back to watching Haunting of Hill House on Woo-woo. Netflix. Yay. I'm not going to go through the description of that cuz I'm not done anyway. I just finished episode 7 Eulogy, which is the one after the Bentneck Lady, the mm. Bentneck Lady episode for those who I'm probably the last person who's listening to this podcast who hasn't seen The Haunting of Hill House on Netflix in, in its entirety. Bent, like, Bent Neck Lady episode was amazing. I like Eulogy more, though. And mm. I love, because what always gets me in any movie is long takes. Mm. I adore it. I love the dedication. And they they stop doing it towards the end, but there's like, three really long takes in this that are really impressive especially when they set up the scares yeah or just like the little flashbacks of oh my god like it's just like it it it, like it warms my heart because you see like that's a different level of love for what you're working on because that's tough in the this day and age where a fight scene in the avengers like one punch will have like seven cuts. <laughs> the fact that you would go for like nine minutes on one take, like it immediately made me think of uh, Alfred Hitchcock's movie Rope. Mm-hmm. Where I was like, oh my God, are they actually going to do this through the entire time? And they didn't, but they did for a long time. And I was impressed. I adored it. And I apologize. I haven't finished The Fisherman. I only got to page 30, got super distracted with the other stuff last week. And it's a book that, like I said, like with Grady Hendrix and like Horror Store and things like that, they're pretty fast reads. Mm-hmm. You can get engrossed really quick and just burn through like 50 pages. The Fisherman is taking me way longer to read. Like it's 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 much more dense prose and I don't want to miss it because it's because of that. Okay, before we get to the next part, which is different, what did we watch and how did we watch it before I forget? Okay. <laughs> so I watched <laughs> The Ugly on DVD. Sadly, I do not think that it's streaming anywhere. Um, from 1997 and The Fun House from 1981 on Vudu. I watched Suck on, uh, I rented it on Prime <laughs> and it was released in 2009. And Vicious Lips on Tubi. I also think that's available to watch on Prime. And I watched 1997's Wishmaster on Peacock, 1988's Nightmare on Elm Street 4 on HBO, and I am catching up on Haunting of Hill House on Netflix, and still reading the Fisherman novel. So before we get into the news, we're going to do something new on the show. In an effort to broaden my horizons and not be the anchor to Megan and Zena's horror knowledge, I've decided to ask each of them to pick a movie that I need to watch each week. 
movies that they adore, movies they think are required viewing for horror fans, regardless of if I've seen them or not. It can be streaming or rental. For now, I'll stick just with what they pick. I might start opening it up to listeners too, or maybe that'll be a future Patreon perk content. But for now, maybe you can watch too and see how drastically different your take on movies is from mine. So, Megan, what movie am I watching this week? Bad Milo. <gasps> that one's fine. Okay. I pick this mostly because... I don't even know what movie that is, so... <laughs> okay, I actually had a handful because just in case I picked one that you had seen, but I went into this easing you in, basically. Something that I love that I think you will love that mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> it's kind of underrated in general, but okay. it's a horror comedy, and I do think you will like this one. That's a good one. I think yeah. you I would like, like it, I do like horror too. comedies. Uh, do you know if it's available streaming or if I have to rent it? I believe so. I know I saw it um, on Prime. You could do a free trial of a subscription for like a week. Um, Mm. I don't know if you have Sling. But yeah, you you could rent it. But I'm pretty sure you could do a free trial on Prime of whatever service that is and watch it that way. Cool. Okay, Xena, what am I watching? Okay, so I'm not going to lie. I did want to torture you and pick out a body horror. But... I'll leave you alone this week. Um, but you can. I, I will. Yeah, but okay. I, I, I kind of want to try to get one that maybe you 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 may like, like really like. Um, well, first, so I don't, I don't dread your picks every week. <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe you've seen this one, and I was trying to think back if you did. Um, have you seen Smiley Face Killers? That one's a new one, right? That that came out. Yeah. Like- no, the brand okay. new one. No. Okay. No, but I actually was researching the real cases earlier yeah? this week, okay. oddly enough. Awesome. I think that you may enjoy it. Hopefully you do. If you don't, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Well, that's okay. I was Honestly, I was curious from the trailer, and I know and I know a bit about the actual case history from the true crime. Like, the, I looked up the detectives. I found out that the, uh, it's actually a St. Cloud State University, which is a university here in Minnesota. Like, Ooh. one of... Their uh, criminal justice professors started the theory about the smiley face killers. So I'm very curious to find out. Good pick. Thanks. And then maybe I'll pick a third one on my own and leave that special for next week. So for next week, I have to watch Bad Milo for Megan's pick and smiley face killers from Xena's pick. All right. Enough of what we've been watching and what I have to watch. It's time for Megan to bring us up to speed on the news and trending topics in the world of horror. So what's going on, Megan? So... Uh, director Adam Wingard's Godzilla vs. Kong, the mashup fight film that le- yeah, Legendary's Monsterverse has spent a few years building towards. It's coming to theaters and HBO Max on March 26th, and the official trailer dropped on Sunday. So the, yes, it did. Yes, it did. So the official <laughs> plot description reads, Legends collide as these mythic adversaries meet in a spectacular battle for the ages, with the fate of the world hanging in the balance. Kong and his protectors undertake a perilous journey to find his true home, and with them is Gia, a young orphan girl with whom he has a form, who he has formed a unique and powerful bond. But they unexpectedly find themselves in the path of an enraged Godzilla, cutting a swath of destruction across the gro- globe. The epic clash between the two titans, instigated by unseen forces, is only the beginning of the mystery that lies deep within the core of the Earth. So Godzilla vs. Kong is the fourth film in the MonsterVerse, which kicked off with 2014's Godzilla, continued with Kong Skull Island in 2017, and Godzilla King of the Monsters in 2019. 
It stars uh, Millie Bobby Brown and Kyle Chandler making their returning. It also stars Alexander Skarsgård and Rebecca Hall. So if you would like to see the trailer, if you haven't already, definitely check it out on Bloody Disgusting. It is like two minutes long, packed full of stunning imagery that makes me oh so sad that we are at a pandemic and cannot go to theaters. Mm. Um, so yeah, but based on a quick half-second image in that two-minute trailer, fans are going nuts speculating that Mecha Godzilla might make an appearance. He might enter the arena. I'm not sure. I cannot tell enough based on this little half-second blurred image, but mm-hmm. whether they're right or wrong remains to be seen, but it's super easy to buy into the idea that there will be another enemy besides humans orchestrating this battle, uh, because versus movies like this do not let one side or the other win. Um, we've seen that before in Freddy versus Jason, uh, Sadako versus Kayako. They tend to end in draws to not piss off fandoms. Um, and I just don't see two protectors really having a grudge against each other. But I'm curious, are you Team Kong or Team Godzilla? Team Kong. Um, I don't know. You don't know? No, no investment. I didn't like Skull Island the movie, but I love the Kong I like stuff. Skull Island. It actually bums me out that the... It bums me out that people are involved in this movie. I just want to see Godzilla and Kong. I don't want the plot. I guess, but I... My assumption is they're going to fight twice and then team up against someone for the third fight. People, I mean, I get that. Like, I I understand, you know, you want these epic choreographed battles between two kaiju. But, you know, they are also very human stories and propulsed by by humanity. My bigger issue was like uh, uh, the last Godzilla movie. The plot was just the most convoluted thing they could have come up with, and they and they had these really weird cuts away from what could have been amazing shots, and then they just didn't show stuff. Like I don't, I just yeah. don't understand what you're doing here. I think that it's less that you don't want humans in the way, more that you want that done well. <laughs> Yeah, and, and like you said, the orphan who seems to be like a befriended Kong, that could be a really interesting way to go with this, as long as it doesn't turn into some weird eco-terrorism plot where all of a sudden people oh, yeah. are complaining about what we're doing to the planet. I get it. But you, you think about but, every Kong story, he's always been wrapped around, you know, someone's yeah. finger. So I kind of like that, but yeah, we'll see. True. I mean, really, if you look at the trailer, it's just this gorgeous brawl. I mean, neon mm-hmm. cityscapes and, you know, ships at sea. It looks gorgeous. Oh, they had me the moment that Kong leans over the side of that ship and yells at the water. I'm like, oh, come on. That's awesome. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm guessing Xena has no attachment or, for, or affinity for this kind of monster verse which is fine there's no spiders you're fine no no (laughs) she she brings balance we'll geek out over kong and and godzilla and i'll share you guys on though yes she's supportive no matter what (laughs) um and then while making the press rounds to promote his latest feature psycho gorman director steve costancy talks Stephen Kostansky talked to Bloody Disgusting's The Boo Crew about his past and upcoming projects. So he revealed that if, basically, if you're a big fan of cosmic horror movie The Void, it's not so great news. Uh, he told them, I feel like we won't be seeing a sequel to The Void in the foreseeable future just because of some legal oh. stuff that it's tied up with. Uh, he's talked about what follow-up versions would be, but the pure logistics of doing a follow-up is too difficult to unravel at this time. 
So he said, not to say it will never happen, but I don't think the immediate future is realistic for it. So that's kind of a bummer. I mean, I I also don't mind the Void being a standalone. I think it works, but... But it's also a super cool Absolutely. universe that I would never say, no, I don't want to see more of that either. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, uh, there's no plans for a Leprechaun follow-up, but he did love his time making it, so he'd happily jump on board if that were offered. Uh, and as for, obviously, a Psycho Gorman sequel, the impression I'm getting is that I better jump on subsequent versions of Psycho Gorman. I have a plan I'm working on, some kind of follow-up. I can't really get into what it will be yet because it's so early. We just have to wait and see how the movie does. Uh, the distribu- distributors are all excited for follow-ups to this, and they see the potential. So we started hashing out what that will be, but uh, we'll see. You know, it all ba- is based on how that does, although it's gotten a really good response over the weekend since it's VOD release. Uh, he did joke he would love to see 13 sequels so it could be titled PG-13, Ooh. which is cute. <laughs> and uh, last but not least, he did tease up an upcoming update on the Day of the Dead series, uh, which he act- what he wrapped working on back in December. He ended up shooting the first four episodes. It's a 10-episode series. It does have ties to George Romero's movie. Uh, he obviously can't get into specifics yet because it's still early. Um, but he said it's a scrappy, low-budget affair. We got Masters FX to once again provide creature effects for it. So I can say, at the very least, the zombies are super awesome. It's a very weird, interesting show that I don't think is what people are going to be expecting. I had a ton of fun making it and realized all my low-budget sensibilities... Uh, oh, really utilized all my low-budget sensibilities to pull it off. It's another case of very ambitious premise with bare minimum resources. And I think that yielded a lot of great creativity from the team. So that's exciting. Give me something kind of new with the zombie yeah, for story. Sure. So, yeah. And then uh, Darylin Bozeman gives a little insight to the upcoming spiral from the Book of Saw. Being that that's coming mm. out finally in May, uh, Empire Magazine revealed a tease image that has star Chris Rock investigating a murder scene that we can assume probably involves some kind of torture or a trap or something. But in that <laughs> tease, um, and the image is available online, of course, but Darylin, director Darren Lynn Bowsman, he directed three previous films in the Saw franchise, uh, told Empire that Spiral is much more about character tension and fear than it is gore and violence. He wanted it to feel more like Seven than your traditional Saw. So. That sounds awesome. Yeah, I don't know. How do you feel, Xena? Are you a big Saw franchise fan? Um, I'm not a big fan, but I did see when, when they first announced it and I knew that he was attached to it, then I was on board. I mean, I know that I'm hoping that there'll be some kind of singing and dancing. <laughs> I know that there there won't be any singing or dancing. I, I just like horror musicals, but. Again, this should be it, huh? <laughs> Zeta will not rest until there is a Billy the Puppet rock musical. We need it. <laughs> did this director do Jigsaw? Uh, no, he did not. He did, he did. I'm trying to remember. He did like three, four. Did he do two? I think he did two through four. Yeah, he did two, three, and four. Yeah. Okay. So that, yeah. that's good because the last Jigsaw movie was not. I don't know. I didn't hate it as much as everybody else. I mean, sure, it's it's kind of unnecessary, but it had a lot of good kills that I was a big it fan of. It had some of. good kills. My bigger issue was, I would have to go back and watch it, but, like, there's some, there's some point where all of a sudden, like, Jigsaw becomes magical. Like, he can just, like, teleport and stuff. Totally. 
If he can sing and dance, he could totally teleport. <laughs> he hasn't yet. <laughs> In Zena's mind, she has the script written, yes. and he has. I said yet. <laughs> uh, I, I'm curious. I would love to see. I would love to see that. Uh, take a step back from what people have come to expect from Saw. Which and like, okay, it's going to be gore. It's going to be traps. How mm-hmm. are they going to get this convoluted timeline tied up and everything else? Like, yeah, no, I'd love to see like a more a grittier, more like seven approach to it. I think that'd be awesome. That's what they're saying they're selling. So we shall find out in just a few months, hopefully. Nice. And then um, if you need a heads up on what's coming to Bloody Disgusting TV, mark these dates on your calendar. Every week, Xena recommends checking out Bloody Disgusting, of course. Every uh, which, week. Every week. Sorry. Which streams... <laughs> On uh, which streams horror movies twenty four seven, not just horror movies, but like shows and bite sized horror and all that stuff, uh, for free on the Roku channel at channel seven seventy or streaming on your PlayStation, Android TV, and iOS devices. And I think they're working on expanding it further. But uh, while you have to tune in to see what's playing, for the most part, uh, here's a tease of special programming events coming up. So this Thursday, the twenty eighth, it's an Evening with the Masters. It's a block of films from horror greats featuring uh, George Romero, Dar- Dario Argento, Stuart Gordon, and Wes Craven movies. Woo-woo. And then uh, on February 4th, it's a George Romero birthday bash. So say happy birthday to the godfather of the modern zombies with a block of Romero classics. On Valentine's Day, spend your Valentine's Day with must-love slashers and a marathon of classic slasher films. And on February 22nd, say no to CGI and spend your day with practical gore and more. A block of films featuring gore done right. And that's this week. All right, listeners, your turn. Excited for Kong punching Godzilla and people not being involved like me? Want more seven in your saw? Well, let's hear about it. Numbers 224-475-1040. The numbers in the show notes, too. Play your favorite message or messages at the top of next week's episode. And in lieu of that, keep an eye out on social media feeds for question requests. Finally. If you're anything like us and you spend all your time streaming and or asking for requests from your co-hosts for movies that you can watch because you've run out of ideas on your own and you end up watching the same things over and over again, Zena's going to clue us in on what we should be watching. So, Zena, what should we be watching? So, let's first start off with Tuesday the 26th. Uh, coming our way to VOD, we have Caged. An African-American male is imprisoned and placed in solitary confinement after being found guilty of murdering his wife. He's then haunted by eternal demons and his dead wife, and then he's pushed to the breaking point by an abusive female guard. Then we also have Wrong Turn. It's only going to be in theaters for one night. So this is still Tuesday. Friends hiking are confronted by the Foundation, a community of people who have lived in the mountains for hundreds of years. Then coming our way to Blu-ray and DVD and Pedagore. That is how you say it, right? Mm Mm-hmm. I said that once and someone said, no, that's not how you say it. And I was how like, do you okay. say it then? <laughs> I, I don't remember what he said, but I, I just think he just wanted to talk. But anyway, um, so this one, <laughs> we spoke about, we spoke about this one um, when it was streaming on Shudder. So yes, it'll be available on Blu-ray and DVD. And then on Thursday, the 28th coming to Shudder, the Queen of Black Magic. So this is a reimagining of the 1981 Indonesian horror classic of the same name. So in this Shutter original movie, a family travels to the distant countryside orphanage where the father was raised to pay their respects to the facility's gravely 
ill director. Uh, but his best friend's homecoming turns into a terrifying supernatural ordeal that threatens their families' lives. Someone is using dark magic to avenge evil deeds, long buried but not forgotten. Also, um, you know what else is coming out on Thursday? Well, technically, it's not coming out on Thursday, but it's always available. Bloody Disgusting TV. So you should watch that. Mm. Yeah. And then last but not least, on uh, the 29th, Friday, the night will be available on VOD. A couple living in the U.S. becomes trapped inside a hotel when insidious events force them to face the secrets that, that they have come between them and a night that never ends. So that one, the, the poster looks really cool. So, but yeah, so that's, that's it. And that's the Bloody Disgusting podcast for this week, everyone. If you'd like to read more from Megan, you can check out her reviews at bloodydisgusting.com and on Twitter at HauntedMeg. Xena can be found on her own site, realqueenofhorror.com, and the YouTube channel of the same name, or at LovelyZena on Twitter. And you can hear me on my weekly horror narration podcast, Creepy. As you've noticed, I'm not saying any of this really fast because popcorn's not streaming right now on Bloody <laughs> yeah. Disgusting TV. <laughs> Don't forget to hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app and feel free to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at BeDisgustingPod or drop us an email at BeDisgustingPodcast at gmail.com. We really do love hearing from the listeners. And thank you all who have sent in emails that didn't necessarily pertain to something for us to talk about on the show, but just in general, we do love hearing from you. So for this week, I'm John. I'm Megan. I'm Zeno. Grab some popcorn, cozy up on the couch, and watch something you love. Just make sure it's something bloody. Ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.